Well, not knowing who someone is can uh, lead to big problems. Uh, But it can lead to even bigger problems if you don't know who you are. World War I brought a kind of warfare that nations had not known to that point where men would spend months in trenches across the field from the enemy where for day after day large bombs and explosions would fly overhead. And imagine living for months in a trench, unable to move as the ground shakes and the explosions every day are deafening all around you. It produced a condition in thousands of men that we now call shell shock. And one of the consequences of shell shock can be amnesia. And after the war, there were thousands of soldiers who did not know who they were. And unfortunately, record-keeping back then was not as accurate as it is today. And for many of these men, there was no credible way to find out who they were. They had one day in Paris something they called the Identification Rally, where thousands of people gathered in a large plaza, and one man after another would get up on a stand and look out at the crowd and say, does anybody here know who I am? I feel like in some measure that happens every day. Satan, the great enemy of our souls, has so confused people about their true identity. And the good news is there is somebody who is saying, I know who you are. But if you don't get your identity from the gospel, you're going to get it from a label. Because labeling is the chief way in our culture we give people their identity. And a label exists because of what I'm calling an outside-in approach to identity. In other words, we use externals to describe who people are. And I suppose that is inevitable. If I was to ask you who I am, you might say, well, you're short, you're a Caucasian, you're a Texan, you're a college graduate, you're a preacher... And you would use externals to describe me. And sometimes the externals we use aren't so kind. I'm fat. I'm a dropout. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a failed businessman. I'm divorced. I'm the son of a druggie. I'm the slow kid. See, it's, it's inevitable that we tend to describe people by externals, but it's regrettable that we wind up defining people by externals and that we allow ourselves to be defined. You see, there are two chief avenues that this culture uses to give you an identity, and one is appearance and one is performance. And all you have to do is go to a magazine rack to see if that's not the truth. We want to know, to decide whether or not you have value, how nice do you look? And what can you do to impress us? Can you build an empire? Can you hit a home run? 
And by appearance and by performance, we let you know who you are. And there are two really huge problems with this approach to identity. One, it's based on realities that are constantly subject to change. If your identity is successful businessman, then who are you when the company downsizes and you don't have a job? If your identity is wife, what happens to you one day if the husband doesn't come home? And if your identity is parent... Who are you when empty nest comes? If your identity is, I'm the prettiest girl in school. What happens when you get older? If your identity is, I'm the preacher. What happens when the day comes and the church says, we want a younger preacher. Because that day always comes and not just for preachers and so one huge problem with the way we give identity to people is it's based on things that are always changing but another problem is it means that I decide what I think about me based on what I perceive you think about me do you think I look nice do you think I preach well Do you like how I hit a golf ball? Do you like how I make a sale? Do you approve of how I raise my kids? And I'm constantly having to know what you think of me so I can know what I'm supposed to think about me. Now, what if you found your identity based on what God thinks of you? What if, instead of always looking sideways to figure out who you are, you looked up instead? Because I'm going to tell you something this morning that Dr. Phil and Oprah won't tell you, but that's okay because I'm reading a different book. You do not need a good self-image. You need a God self-image. You need to embrace your born-again identity. And what this means, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, is this. That those who become Christians become new persons. They're not the same anymore, for the old life is gone. A new life has begun. You don't need to turn over a new leaf. You need to get a new life that is not defined and it is not confined by all the labels That the world wants to put on you. And the Bible says that kind of life is possible. The Bible insists that God can make a you too. From the inside out. See God never endorses outside in approach to life change. Just get a new job. Just change schools. Just change the color of your hair. He never does. Now that's the way of the world. That is why this next year they will publish 2,000 more self-help books to replace the 2,000 they published last year. And the problem with all those books is it's going to try to fix what needs to be buried. God says your old identity doesn't need to be modified. It needs to be crucified. Look again at Romans 6 with me. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? And we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, 
Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now think about it. When Jesus said, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to people, and they're going to respond. Not everybody, but many are. They're going to say, I believe what you're saying about Jesus. He said, next thing you do is baptize them. Why? Why not just give them a high five? Jesus says, I want you to do something radical. I'm looking for a metaphor that's going to make it clear to people. You don't need just a few minor modifications. We're going to bury that old you with all those labels. You don't need renovation. You need recreation. You need a new identity that is not externally imposed. It is internally implanted you need for God to get under your skin and that's exactly what he promises to do when he gives us a new identity the prophets talked about it like Ezekiel in chapter 36 I'm going to give you a new heart he says with new and right desires and I'm going to put a new spirit in you and I'll take out your stony heart of sin and I'm going to give you a new obedient heart I will put my spirit in you. See, God knows changing labels is irrelevant if we don't fix that heart. And the good news is God is a heart specialist. But the bad news is we don't believe all the good news. A lot of you don't. You say, I believe the gospel. No, you believe half the gospel. And I'll explain what I mean. You see, the gospel consists of a promise of forgiveness and formation. And some of you have only accepted half of the gospel. You've accepted a truncated gospel that allows old labels to stay in place. You're still an alcoholic. You're still the dropout, you're still the divorced person, you're still the failure, only you've been baptized. So at least your sins are forgiven. But you still live with the old label. Now think about this. When God created the world, what agents did he use? It says in the very first part of the Bible, the Spirit was hovering over the water and God spoke. And every Thing that is became because God's word and God's spirit made everything new. Now, when God recreates, what do you think he's going to use to do it? He's going to use his word and he's going to use his Holy Spirit to speak into you a new world. A new life. A new you. That's the rest of the good news. See, a lot of you think the gospel is, well, you know, I was a filthy old clunker. I was covered in mud and grime. But then I met Jesus and he took me to the car wash And he washed off all that mud, and now I'm a clean old clunker. No. You are a brand 
new car. That's not the power of positive thinking. It's the power of being united to the risen Christ. Because when you died, all of sin's claims against you were satisfied. There was a reason before you knew Christ you had to accept that old label. You were in bondage to it. But when you died with Christ, everything the old world ever had on you got broken. And you're now free to be a new you. Romans chapter 6 says, But when we die with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. So you should consider yourselves dead to sin and able to live for the glory of God through Christ Jesus. The famous church father Augustine was a very immoral and profligate young man before he met Christ. He was walking down the street one day in Milan, Italy. And a prostitute with whom he had been intimate saw him. And she rushed to the door of her place and said, Augustine. And he kept on walking. Augustine, she shouted, it is I. And without even turning around, he said, but it is no longer I. That is true of all Christians. But sadly, not all Christians think that is true. And so they only accept half the gospel. And they get up every day with those old labels for their identity. And the trouble is going to persist if I will not walk in faith in my new identity. For years in New Hampshire, the license plates said, live free or die. The famous saying of Revolutionary War hero General John Stark. Now here's the irony. The license plates say, live free or die, and they're made by inmates in prison. Now do you wonder why most of the world doesn't seem to be listening when we try to talk about the gospel. Here's one reason. The gospel is not good news when it's declared by people that are still imprisoned by their old labels. You're not offering them something they don't already have, a life shackled to labels. Now, the Bible does not say, if anyone is in Christ, he will be a new creation when Jesus comes back. It does not even say, if anyone is in Christ, he ought to be a new creation, but he probably won't act like it. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. This is not a promise for tomorrow. This is a dynamic reality for today. God did something inside you when you accepted Christ that you need to claim by faith and live it out. And you need to claim it by faith because the devil is going to be there every day. And as soon as you put your feet on the floor and get out of bed, he's there to say, you are still 
And you can fill in the blank with the label he's been putting on you ever since you were a kid. And you're going to have to resist the devil. And you're going to have to step in faith into your new identity. The best illustration of this I could come up with upstairs at the doors. We have these new mechanical doors that will open. You don't have to touch them or pull them or anything, right? But you can stare at those doors all you want and they'll just stay closed. You have to walk in faith toward the door before it opens. And you've got to walk in faith toward your new identity to experience it and the freedom it brings I'm not saying there's still not some crud you got to deal with I'm saying that beneath the crud and all of your flaws there is a radically new heart that God implanted himself and you need to stop trying to fix what you were and start releasing who you are. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, here's my problem, Rick. I just don't see myself as a new creation. That's not your problem. Your problem is you don't believe God sees you as a new creation. Your problem is that you think God still sees the old labels too. Let me show you what I mean. I want you all to close your eyes right now, just for a moment. Close your eyes. And I want you to imagine, do this for me, that you're right now alone with God. God's looking right at you. What expression? is on his face. Look right into the face of God. You don't have to raise your hand. But many of you believe God is disappointed, don't you? He's just so disappointed in you. Oh, he loves you. But he would love you so much more if. And that's your problem. We don't even believe God sees our new identity. Can I open your eyes and look on the screen? For you died when Christ died. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So when God looks at you, who does he see? He sees Jesus. You don't need a good self-image. You need a God self-image. came across a sweet story recently of a nurse. She works at a clinic and said about 8.30 one morning, this man that was in his 80s came in to see her and he was in a hurry. He said he had a 9 o'clock appointment and he wanted someone to look at his thumb. He had some stitches in it. 
And she knew it was going to be an hour before a doctor could see him. So uh, she had a free moment and she undressed the wound and it was healing great. And she got permission from a doctor to take out the stitches. And as she did, she spoke to him and said, you're in a hurry, I can tell. Where do you have to be at nine? A doctor's appointment? He said, no. Uh, Breakfast with my wife. Oh, really? Where are you meeting? He gave the name of a nursing home. Oh, does she stay there? Yeah, she's been there sometime. And she'll be upset if you're late? He said, no. My wife has Alzheimer's, and she hasn't recognized me in over five years. And the woman said, then, why does it matter so much? And he said, even if she doesn't remember who I am, I still remember who she is. That's the gospel. Even when everything in the world is telling you to forget what the Bible says about you. God remembers who you are. You are the precious. You are the purchased. You are the beloved son or daughter of God. And when you believe that that's what God sees. That's what you'll see. It's time to believe the whole gospel. It's time to receive your new identity. So I want you to bow your head with me. Do one more thing. What label have you for years been tired of wearing? Think about it. Name it. Now, I want you to imagine right now walking to the cross of Jesus and taking that word and putting it on the ground right in front of the cross. I want you in your mind to think, today I'm going to leave that old label at the cross. I'm tired of wearing it. Father, thank you for the gospel. Help us to believe all of it. Help us to live like the people you think we are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Elders and ministers are going to be in front of the chapel to pray with you this morning because I think some of you still have some business to do with God. And you need to go and maybe publicly name that label you're tired of wearing. And if you're ready to be baptized into Jesus and receive a new identity, we want you to come to the front right now. We're going to stand up and sing.